Hi guys, welcome back to the uh, town social end of season review. We've left it late until something happened, and then lo and behold, we've everything seems to have happened in the last two days. So we thought the perfect time to get stuck into it all. So much has happened. Warnock has pulled off an absolute miracle. Is he staying? Who knows? We'll find out soon. But let's dissect it all and see what we've all thought of what has been a, a roller coaster ride of a season, as it always is with town. You never know what's going to happen. It's always going to leave us with heart conditions at the end of the season. Here to dissect it all with us, Gas K, Tristan, Batley, Kyle, and Ian Kilroy. Guys, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Let's start with the big man himself, Warnock. I mean, what? Well, what can you say? I mean, we'll go. We'll we'll take a bit of a deep dive into the the, the earlier parts of the season. I'm sure, but I mean, when when the guy came in, we we're on our asses. I think we had 28 points for 31 games, so that would have averaged out at about around 42 points for the season. Looking certain relegation. Pretty much next to no hope, let, let's be honest. We just had the uh, Maestro Fotheringham fucking up a, a win at Blackpool with 10 men. And then he comes in. We get a great start against Birmingham. I thought that was a really good game of football. Gave us hope. Then we had the dip. But then, guys, the, the last 10 games, 21 points in those last 10 games, it's the best last 10 games we've ever had to a season. And... If you averaged out Warnock's points that he accumulated in those 15 games for the season, 25 points from 15 games, it comes out at 77 points playoff form. And we went from seven points adrift to nine points clear of relegation. It's an absolute miracle. Where do you start with it, guys? Well, I think I'm with you, Nick. When, when it was horrible, miserable, rainy night at Blackpool. Um, I mean, Fotheringham managed to throw away a, a certain victory to, to somehow get a draw from the jaws of victory and then was laughing and joking with the opposition management team as he went off the pitch. I was pretty glad to see the back of him. And I think we mustn't forget also how how awful the, the two games in between were at Blackpool and when eventually uh, Lord Warnock rode into town and, and started to save our souls. Um, I, I'm with you. I think when from Millwall away, I really started to believe. I thought after Birmingham, we had a real injection. We then had three or four games where I think all of us doubted whether even this bloke could save this shower. But somehow he managed to turn it around, didn't he? And, and we finished in 18th, nine points above the. I mean, that's just absolutely unbelievable. It wasn't the it wasn't the prettiest to watch, but what he managed to get out of the players was was the thing that's probably the Warner Colmack, which is the output of the collective was much better than the individual parts that were going into it, which is his, which is absolutely his, his trademark. Um, and he managed to resurrect a few careers along the way, which is always pleasant to see. I guess we'll talk about whether he's coming back or not in a short while, but um, for me, it was, it was a, a fantastic end to the season. Overall, the season, you, would I have taken 18th before the start of the season? Yeah, probably. And at Christmas, I wouldn't have given him a an F. Never mind, never mind anything else. But you know, you have to say that all in all, we probably finished where we should have finished. Um, but the last ten games were were A plus for me. It was it was full of everything I've missed: excitement, you know, the crowd driving the team on, and the team driving the crowd on. It was it was great to see. 
Yeah, I, I, I'd agree, guys. I, I mean, I go back to the end of December and we snuck a win away at Preston and then we, we beat Rotherham at home and and everyone thought, you know, are we are we starting to turn things around? And then uh, I think we, we narrowly lost out to Luton at home and, and and then kind of started the the run of of bad form to some extent. We we were beating Hull away uh and, and doing the kind of the last minute. And, and and I kind of wanted to make excuses at that point for him and and then went to Coventry away and I I think it was back end of January and and I genuinely thought at that point we're down. We're we're absolutely dead and buried, you know. I've tried to to remain quite positive up until this point and, and actually end of Jan I'm thinking, yeah, that's us. And and even even with you know Warnock coming in kind of two weeks or so, whatever it was later, as as you know, as as we discussed on one of the last pods, that Stoke game was just it was just farcical, you know, and 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 I think as Ian said, it it probably was up there as one of the worst performances that we've ever seen at town, or certainly in my lifetime that I've seen at town, and you know, and and that goes with that goes with Port Vale away getting relegated to Division Two, and you know, games like that 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 really have been kind of real low points for the club. It certainly felt like, you know, we've gone. And then, lo and behold, up pops Warnock and the game at home against Birmingham, you know, all of a sudden, something just seemed to twig in people. They, they, they seemed to be revitalised. There seemed to be some energy about people where where the players look, you know, completely devoid of ideas, of confidence, of of anything, really. All of a sudden, there seemed some impetus in, you know, in what we were doing. And and actually it wasn't it wasn't even certainly that Birmingham game, it wasn't even good football. <laughs> you know, it was it was pretty up and at them and you know, crash bang wallop stuff. And actually you know, I, I thought, here we go. And then we go and get smashed at home, uh, smashed away at, at Burnley, which I guess we, we probably thought we would, and 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 then smashed at home again by Coventry. And I'm thinking again, I'm thinking this could be us. But yeah, then lo and behold, last whatever it was, six, seven games of the season and, and taking the, the, the amount of points that we took was just incredible. And 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 I'll be honest with you, I think I think possibly there's there's only someone like Warnock. I mean, Leeds tried it with, with Allardyce and and got nothing, you know, and, and actually I think probably there was only someone like Warnock that that connected again the fans because that was a big part of it. The fans have been completely lost, haven't they? You know, and and it connected the fans, and all of a sudden, from from so many people hounding the club and the ill kind of temper towards the club and and the you know the the higher echelons of the club, Warnock just seemed to take control. It were it were old school, wasn't it? It was it were Sir Alex Ferguson school of running a club almost it it, it it kind of it just took control of every part of it and 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 brought people together kind of said the right things spoke about the people of Huddersfield that that felt like he meant it you know we we, we had the um 
when Hodgkinson came in and they 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 were in the cinema doing doing the whole working men's club kind of spiel, it it just didn't feel real, you know. And and everything Warnock said, you hung off, you know. And 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 I think I think that for me was the difference. He he just he just gets the club and and you know in. It seemed to it seemed to kind of breed a bit of positivity, not just into the fans but into the players. And and I mean, God, the, 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 we've said it enough times. Josh Caroma just, you know, did a complete one eighty, didn't he? He, he? he just, I mean, to some extent, he he probably owes Warnock a lot because I think it's revitalised his career to some extent. So yeah, I. I Quite a miracle, to be quite honest with you, um, and and I, and I just think that possibly I'd have left it there. You know, we don't know whether he's coming back, but I, I think and, and and I know we'll discuss this. I, I'd have liked to have left it there. I think, um, but we'll see. This season's going to be remembered, isn't it? For Man City's treble and Jack Grealish getting absolutely wankered and celebrating on top of buses. And then you've got Luton getting promoted to the Premier League. And what Warnock managed at town will be forgotten very quickly by everybody apart from us. Yet, genuinely, I don't, well, I'm a bit younger than you lot, and well, a lot younger than maybe one of you. But um, I don't remember Warnock being here last time. I was there at the playoff final, but I, I, didn't, I didn't get the feeling around the club or how we spoke or whatever. And yeah, okay, his career's been around England and, and obviously I've seen him at other clubs, but I don't really pay that much attention to other, other clubs. I just, I just play attention to town. I, I like how the teams play and I watch that, but the background stuff never really interested me. However, having seen him work his utter magic at town now, probably his biggest fan forevermore. I think it's unbelievable what he managed. And this season, it should be, it's probably in the English League, still the biggest achievement of anyone. When he joined our club, again, for that before the Stoke game and for the Stoke game, I can't remember seeing Town in such a poor position. I mean, we started the season off with Schofield. Um, he tried to play open football, inexperienced manager. Didn't really care what players he had. He had his own vision. He wanted to play that way. Played very open. We conceded a lot of goals. Didn't score many because we don't have strikers that could score that many. We can't outscore teams. We could never outscore teams this season. That wasn't a way we could play. He was removed pretty quickly when uh, Dwayne Holmes kicked the dugout on the way off the pitch and you could see the players had lost faith in him then. Then you moved on to uh, Matt Fotheringham, who, who started off a bit open, like Schofield got battered a couple of times. He did adjust, he adjusted to a negative um, defensive style and it did a little bit better. And, and even at that point, what I didn't like him personally, I thought it was an absolute bell end. And, and he came across that way, not just to me, but to everybody. I don't think anybody really liked him um, outside the club. And by the way, Matt Glennon were talking not long back, I don't think many people liked him inside of it either. But it... it he did adjust his style of football to something negative. It just felt like we were slowly drowning by by keeping in touch with everybody else. But but we were just losing game after game after game. But only by one goal where under Schofield, we looked far, far worse and, and far um, more at risk of losing by bigger margins. And, and at that point, I'm thinking, well, we can replace Fotheringham, but I don't think anyone else can come in and do anything different because we were awful. However, Warnock comes in, shows me how inexperienced and wrong I am, and he, he starts playing... A type of football to start off with, which was again a bit more open. It seems to be when any any manager comes into a club now or a coach, they like to play a little bit open. And maybe with Warnock is trying to see what he's got in the players that he has. However, everything changed after that Norwich game, where at half time he changed from a zonal marking system to a man marking system across the entire pitch. And from that moment forward, we looked a total different team. 
Nobody fancied playing us. Nobody could play through the middle of us because they couldn't lose their man. The first two-thirds of our season was awful because in our midfield and in our top line, no one liked tracking back consistently if a defender overlapped or pushed through the middle. We'd try and pass them on. And that slipping and marking just meant we had we were outnumbered all the time and there was always options for the team. As soon as Warnock eventually cottoned onto that and went man for, uh, man for man in the middle, teams couldn't do that anymore against us. And we looked like a total different team. Now, if we do that all that see all season, I'm not entirely sure it'd work. But for a small, compact amount of games at the end of the season, it just it just changes entirely. And now it is more than that because I think when when Warner joined, the confidence in the players were absolutely shot. We've got a lot of young lads that have not necessarily been in this position before with such weight on their shoulders. Yet they seem to listen to him because of his experience and because of his man management. And it was unbelievable what happened in the season to to, to see us. When Warnock joined to avoid relegation by nine points, not one person in the world would have put money on that. I don't care what anyone says. No one can say, I knew that was going to happen because nobody did. Danny, again, even now, top goal scorer this season scored five goals. The person with either the most goals or assists is Sauber Thomas with six assists. And he's barely played, what, 10, 12, 12, I don't know how many games he played for us, but not very much when you look at the minutes per game, even if he started more than that. It's ridiculous that we stayed up from that position. Now, at the beginning of the season, I did forecast 18th. And at the end of the season, we finished 18th. So, just had to get that one in there. Over the course of the season, we've done pretty much what I expected us to do. But to claim that in any way has been accurate for how this season has gone is ridiculous. Because, like Nick said, playoff playoff form for the last 10 games with a team that, to my knowledge, doesn't really have a winger other than Josh Caroma, don't have a striker other than Matty Pearson when he pops up every few minutes, um, from a corner or a set piece to, to bang in a goal. They're, in, they're even a team there. You can look at our starting eleven, and it's pretty laughable for the division that we're in. Yet Neil Warnock and Ronnie Gibson somehow managed to find 21 points from 10 games to keep us up by nine points. It's ridiculous. And if there is a Hall of Fame in football one day, they should go in it alone for that re- that rescue job because it's I, I I couldn't say enough positive things about it. It was it was ridiculous, and I'm just happy to have witnessed it. Do you think do you think the players reacted to that then when he walked in the room? You know, he was able to earn this way of following him as Cofield Cousin. He could, you know, he could point to success. He could point to all of these things. And I think he was, you talk about the man marking, and actually I was surprised how well we did that because you've got to be pretty fit, right, to, to play like that. And, and under Schofield and Fotheringham, I thought we looked anything but fit. I thought we looked lethargic and tired now. And of course, five yards of it is in the red. And I just wonder whether Warnock actually didn't make him any fitter. They just made him believe that they could cover the five yards and they could make the difference. I think that's it. I think it's belief. But like I said, that first game at Stoke, that was under Warnock and Gibson. Although Warnock hadn't been in the change room at that point, had he? Because he was still in, when he on his Valentine's Day date, still in New York, which is still, this story starts with Neil Warnock refusing to come home to coach town because he's looking after his wife on Valentine's Day in New York, which makes it even better. Someone should write a book about this. It'd be great. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's simple though as well, guys. I think when you're fighting against relegation, confidence is low. And if you come and make it over technical, over complicated, that's hard to follow. And, and players, they're pretty pet- petulant. Again, I think I've explained my belief on this before. Footballers have to be a bit arrogant, which I also believe leads to a little bit of petulance because to, to be a professional footballer in England, you've got to be better than 10 million other lads that are trying to be a professional footballer or whatever it is. It's really cutthroat to get there. So I think then it, most players have, have certain traits about themselves. And I do think they're pretty petulant when you're in a changing room with a decent level footballers, that's what that's what I've always felt anyway. Everyone's a bit of a, don't really like anyone and no one really likes anybody else because they're all out for themselves because they have to be because that's the nature of the business. And that's where it is eventually. It's a business, isn't it? Um, 
But we want it keeping it so simple on man versus man. You can't blame somebody else if you lose your man. It's the first thing. It's your fault. If he gets around you and he scores, it's your fault. Everyone knows it. And when you are in trouble like we were, I think keeping it very, very simple. And our lads are very young. You're right, guys. I think with Fotheringham, we look a bit lost in that he seemed to have pretty complex methods of play initially. And then everyone's kind of gave up on him because he just didn't have it. And I think inexperienced young players don't have it in them. They're not learnt it yet. Why would they? Especially when you're not dominating possession like we never did. So you're only getting the ball for a quarter of the game, a third of the game. And they'll never ever experience that in an under-21s game or under-18s game. Because you watch those games, and no matter what the level is really, possession's quite quite close. Because people are focusing on possession rather than winning games. So it's, it's a little bit different. That seems to be why it's a little bit more shared. But going to the simple stuff, we're just totally overnight, but a total different team. And we did look fitter. But again, I think it's down to accountability. Every single player, regardless of experience, knew exactly what their job was. And that's what we built our way into survival from, I think. Yeah, I think the, the other thing, they, they, they seem to make much better decisions. So, you know, I, I know Warnock, there's a myth around Warnock being a long ball merchant. And yeah, we did play some direct stuff, no doubt. But actually, I think they made better choices. They, they made the right choices when to go along and when not. And I think the defenders were just asked to fucking just defend. If you get the chance to play and you've got the ball, great. But just defend first. This obsession that young coaches have with every every centre half having to be Buddy Beckenbauer or Rio Ferdinand, or it depends on your age as to who these people might apply to. But you know that I think that's also been definitely been a part of it. You know, Lee's Pearson, Hellick, he absolutely put his trust in him. But he, you know, he made it simple. He doesn't need to tell Tom Lee's how to defend. Tom Lee's knows. He just let him get on with it. And I think that also made a big difference. It's not just about going long, though, is it? You see, it's actually the most important thing when you go long is where the other players are around supporting the long ball in the first place. It's going long now, at the right time, isn't it? Going long at exactly. the right time into the right and part of the pitch. That's the other exactly. thing. Exactly. And knowing when you go long, where everyone's supposed to be, and that's what Warnock did yeah. as well. We went to the man-to-man, but we also had direct assignments for going front post, back post, left wing, right wing. That's why all of a sudden, Karom looked like a new player. Again, long in confidence, giving him a simple job with a direct remit that everyone can keep account- it can keep him accountable for. Looked a different player. He knew when ball went long, he was free to do what he wanted to do, and he did. He cut in, came inside, went outside, did what he wanted. And again, you're right, it's it's the long ball at the right time, but then players knowing what they need to do when the ball does go long. Right, You want to hit and hole. And now... That kind of frustrates me when football fans throw that out. That, oh, they're just going long, they're just going long. That's not what Warnock did, regardless of how it appeared when it came to the long ball. Every time we went long, it was at the right time and players knew exactly what to do. And that's why all of a sudden we looked like we looked dangerous. every For the last 10 games, we looked very dangerous every time we got the ball, even if possession-wise we had 30%. During the game, we looked far more threatening than most of the teams we played, even if we didn't have the ball, because when we did, we knew what to do with it. And it was the first time in the entire season, probably the first time in the last few seasons. Well, by Corbin, of course, that was, you know, exactly what he was doing. But we, we looked like we could score every time we got the ball. And that's very rare for a team that didn't really dominate play like we did and goes a long way to say our Warnock's style of football, direct, efficient football, really, really worked for us. Well, people but, like moaned like, about, oh, it's Warnock ball. I couldn't, I couldn't have a season of Warnock ball. But actually, like, I've got to be honest, I've been more entertained by watching this team under Warnock than I have under any town manager I could really remember for, for ages because even, to be honest, even even Wagner's football was boring to, to a large extent. Corberan's football was largely possession-based, but we never really, we, it's not like we created loads of chances and scored loads of goals. Like you said, Ian, when we got the ball, yeah, we might have only had 30% possession or whatever, but when we got the ball, we did something with it. We were effective. We were direct. We ran at people. We had shots. We got people in the box. And I hadn't seen that for, for a long time. 
it's it's not just about the win. It always helps if you win, doesn't it? You're you're always happy if you win. But regardless of that, you could see what we're doing. We had a plan. We 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 give it as best, and and it was. I I was I, I was entertained. I I had no complaints watching Monarchs football whatsoever, apart from maybe like Burnley and, and where we just sort of sacked it off and we and we just didn't turn up. But you know, the, the, you could see what we're doing, and it, there was excitement there. You know, because you you thought, oh, we're actually we're actually committing many here. We're actually, you know, when when the ball goes into the box, there's there's actually people in it that might get on the end of it, that might get an header in, or you know, you you could see. And I don't know. I I I mean, people talk about him being a dinosaur, but I I I don't. I mean, I I really like the way that he's kind of adapted and changed things. And it's just a, it's, yeah, the bloke just knows what he's doing, doesn't he? And that's that's the difference with the players. As I've said before, you know, psychology is massive in any sport. And when you've got someone that walks in the building, it doesn't matter if you've worked with him in the past or if you even know him, you, you know, you can see the accolades he's got, what he's accomplished. And he commands respect because of what he's already achieved. And you listen to him. Whereas if you've got someone like Fotheringham walk in the building that's accomplished nothing, and then he's giving it all Billy Big Bollocks talk about what he's done in Germany and this, that and the other. But yeah, he's got nothing to back it up. And he's just putting him in loads of murder ball training sessions, or just running him into the ground for no reason. You're on a hiding to nothing. Warnock, he adds common sense, and that's something that, unfortunately, with a lot of these young coaches, you don't really see a lot because it's done off a spreadsheet, it's done off stats, and it's not done by just looking at players and offering bespoke training, depending on that player's personality and what they're good at and what they respond to. Whereas Warnock will sit down with them individually. Karoma, classic example, you know, he's he'll have he'll have bigged him up, he'll have said, Look, your contract's running down. If you play for me, I'll get you move, this, that, and the other. And, you know, he'll he'll have he'll have sat them all down, he'll have simplified it, as you said, Ian, he's simplified the role so they all know what they're doing. But they've said, Go and have fun, enjoy it. You know, if you if you if you make a mistake, you know, yes, he's called a few of them out. But they can't be afraid to make a mistake because when you're afraid to make a mistake, you don't take risks and we're far too risk averse under Scott under Fotheringham. and we just we just we offered nothing. We we just we wouldn't we wouldn't commit. We wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't take any risks at all. And then what you're left with is is like you say just losing, you know, one nil every game. And it's not only is it boring, but it's just not it's just not productive. So the the players were given the freedom. That I think that game against Norwich was a big turning point. The win against Middlesbrough I think was massive though. Because we've got the point against Norwich, we've gone to Millwall, got a great result there, but it was following up against a team that was on fire at that. Millsborough were on fire at that point. They were smashing three, four, five goals past teams. We weren't really scoring tons of goals, and then suddenly, somehow, we came up with four goals in the space of like twenty minutes against a team like that. That must have massively, massively improved the confidence in the players and the belief. And when you've got something to cling on to, to hope to, that just makes a massive, massive difference in everything. And suddenly everyone's buzzing going into the training. They're all together. They're all fighting. They've got the belief back and the momentum carries you. And this is why you get, when you get into a run, two or three wins, you know, teams go on a run, three, four, five, six, seven results in a row, because you just get that bit of momentum and belief and the positivity that positive psychology is massive. And, you know, Warnock was brilliant. Old school, but old school in the fact that, in the quality 
in the way that he went about things, you know, just speaking to everyone around the club, treating everyone as equals, everyone's together, we're all a team, no matter what your position is. You know, he showed that he cared. He showed the fans that he cared. We were already on side to a degree because we knew, it, A, was a former manager, but we knew what he'd done. We knew what he knew what he was talking about anyway. So although he joked in his press conferences, he could get away with it because he knows what he's doing. And we've sure. we you know we've seen the we've seen the results of that in the in the upturn of the players' performances. You have you said. So are you three going to give it a, an A to A to was it A to F the ranking was it Ian? I think that's what you said, wasn't it? For the season, yeah, we're, we're going full American on this one. Yeah, well, I, th- I think I think it's nice to. Uh, Qualitative, qualitative, or quantitative, quantitative, quantitative. Quality, 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 there's too many teams. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it was that. That one. Yeah, to see how it goes because obviously football fans are always a little bit. Oh, I want to get promoted. I want to get promoted. But you've got to look at realistically going into the season what you expect. And now I thought we were going to be absolutely shite, and I thought we'd get rid of Schofield at the end of the season, have a bounce, and avoid relegation. Just now, as kind of happened but not at all in the way I expected. Um, I thought, when well, you've still got Saul with Thomas and stuff, and yeah, he's, a, he's, again, he's got character issues and that's the nicest way I could possibly put it. Um, I didn't expect us to be so bad this year. I thought when losing O'Brien and, and Toffolo were massive because they did create most of our goals last year, regardless of how ridiculous it sounds because of the way, the position that they play, but they did. They, they, they caused so much effort, so many teams to shift their entire focus to the side of the team that's how we scored goals from the opposite side. Um, I thought a relegation battle was realistic, yet over the course of the season, I'd go with a C grade because that's what I expected. I expected this kind of end result, but the path is ridiculous. From one at joining, it's uh, the best result you could possibly A plus, 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 plus. And before that, horrific. But again, I, I don't just think it's down to Scoreford and Fotheringham, but a horrific underinvestment in the playing squad that has been covered by Warnock coming in and saving it with his um, emerging managerial skills. So that's, that's where I kind of am on it. Just going back to just going back to the to what you were saying, Nick, about kind of the psychology of it. For me, it was summed up in that was it the the second to last game where Nichols came back and and I, I just thought, you know, Vaklik had played you know, he'd, he'd won quite a lot of us around. He'd, he'd started quite shaky. And all of a sudden, you know, he'd, he'd made some great saves. He'd kept us in games. And I just thought, you know, he's a big decision to make here. And and he, he went to the guy that last season was the most reliable player in our team. You know, and and to me, that, that kind of just said to the defence, don't worry about who's behind you. You know, don't you know you can rely on this bloke and and just go and play your game, sort of thing. And and I think it is such a it, it's it's so underrated to some extent, but it's it's old school and it's it is that people management, isn't it? You know, so I think from my perspective for for grading them, you know, I completely hear what Ian said. I think. Probably the frustration for me is is, you know, how can you go from playoff final to 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 where we were at, um, you know, and 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 yeah, I completely hear that we that that we lost quite a an important spine of of what was that team, but I would have hoped that 
you know, if if we could have gone again, that it, we wouldn't have gone quite as off kilter as we did. And and I think probably, you know, I, I'd expected us to have that kind of mid-table battle, maybe mid to lower table battle, but not quite the relegation battle and sat at the foot of the table with kind of whatever it was, 15 games to go with, with, with so many kind of seven or eight points adrift. So I think for me, probably I'm I'm staring a bit more negative. I'm going I'm going for a D grade um, on this one just because of of where we where we were at and and the position we 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 started at. I I think we could have probably kicked on, um, you know, and 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 tried to 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 stabilize the club a little bit more than we than we ended up doing. I suppose the question on that then, I suppose it all comes down to whether you think Fotheringham and Schofield under-delivered as coaches. And for me, I, I, I don't know if they did. I think it should because Schofield showed his inexperience, but I really think the team is that poor. It was worse than I thought it was, but I definitely put it down to the squad build-up more than I put it down to the actual coaching, which I know sounds a bit stupid when one that comes in and coaches to survival a bit of a canter, but I still persist that... Um, it's down to underinvestment in the playing squad, which is coincidentally maybe why Lee Bromby is finding uh, himself out of work from from town today. Um, on the back of it, if if it was his signings that that were brought in, because he definitely never felt we got close to replacing what we lost last summer. Don't don't you don't you find though maybe that it's from, from I guess I guess probably expanding on that the club as a whole. The performance of the club as a whole, you know, probably underperformed, yeah. and and maybe not. Yeah, probably. I probably do agree with you to some extent. I think we, I think we hoped and prayed that that Schofield would work out, and and you know, kind of the um, the, the kind of fairy tale story behind it. But but actually, I think let's be honest, the that period between losing in the playoff final and uh, kind of Schofield taking charge against Burnley, you know, it was well. It probably wasn't even a probably wasn't even a great day, was it? It was. It was absolutely. It's mental. It's mental, Tristan. Considering not much actually happened. Like realistically, it felt like they want. We lost a couple of players, but then yeah. all of a sudden it just fell apart and we just didn't replace them. Oh, we did, but with people very inexperienced from League One, just were hitting that market, weren't we? Uh, but then again, when you've got an owner that wants out. There's debts to be repaid. The club isn't necessarily flush with cash. Um, I suppose that dictated a lot of that as well. But I just don't put much emphasis, realistically, on Schofield and, and Fotheringham underperforming. And I think it's a bit of a, a cop-out to say they were at fault when, like you said, the entire club feels, to me, it just felt all wrong. And, and to be honest, one that's come back and pulled out an absolute miracle. But if we could just forget the entire season, it, I'd be happy to, because it was a car crash from the off on it, really. It were. There weren't any high points until Warnock's come back and saved us from a position that in, in Championship history hasn't really been uh, saved from before. So it's, um, again, to me, not their fault. It's more of a, they found themselves having an opportunity that they probably wouldn't have got anywhere else. So that's the other thing. Schofield wouldn't have got the job if if the club was in a better shape. Fotheringham probably definitely wouldn't have got the job if it, if it wasn't in a better shape. We had to kind of try something new, which just didn't work out. Um, and I feel like both of them, weren't dealt a, a nice card and a nice set of cards to play with, really. 
Don't, don't you think? Don't you think as well though that, um, and 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 this is in hindsight. To be quite honest with you, we were just really lazy in you know we we'd done that. They they kind of had congratulated themselves and pat themselves on the back the season before for for doing all the quirky uh, taking people to a, a warehouse in Clickeaton. And 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 thought they'd absolutely found the the kind of magic formula for it, and then they brought Will Boyle, uh, Honor Mahoney, and you know whoever else in, and 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 like these lads, these lads haven't done it, that you know they haven't done it at championship level, and and in hindsight, you know for all the will in the world, you want in them to work, and and you hope that oh, you know. Let's hope that we we can polish this kind of rough 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 diamond, but then, you know, I think that summed them up to a, to an absolute T because they just and and it, as as you've just said, it's probably why Bromby's out of the job now. But it it, it just felt like they cracked it and they thought. We can click his fingers and we'll do it again, sort of thing. I and don't think I don't think Tristan we were ever trying to target playoffs. I don't think we were. I think this yeah. season was about selling the club. And I think they've thought, right, fucking great. We made the playoff final. Next year, let's just reduce budget a little bit. We'll just coast it. We'll sell the club and then they can start from there. I don't think they wanted to get relegated. Nobody wants to do that. But I think they thought they had enough. And to be fair, every fan thought they had enough too. No one thought they'd be relegated this season. Um, so I think we just coasted it. Professional football, you can't coast. You always have to adapt. You always have to get better. Um, I would just flip back to, you know, we're talking about coaches and why Warnock's ready to adapt. Now, in football, you've got two successful kind of coaches, in my mind. You've got young coaches that come through with a new system like Wagner did for town. Amazing work to you. Tried it at Schalke, didn't really work. Tried it at Norwich, didn't really work. Can't adapt. Warnock's the opposite, isn't he? He continuously adapts, continuously learns. I think town last year, this summer, thought, we've cracked it. My way works. This is going to be fine. We'll just coast it this season, see how we go, then we will be here next year. We don't need to worry about it. But the club's going to be fine because we made the playoff final. I think the arrogance of how competitive the championship is nearly came back to bite us in the arse until we went and spent a bit of money getting Warnock back in. Again, I've said it 10,000 times already in this podcast. It's a miracle we stayed up. But it's an absolute miracle for Dean Oil in regards to, I'm guessing, what he's going to get paid for the club because I imagine we're worth a little bit more in the championship than we would have been in League One. Um, that we stayed up from that position. But it all comes back to the underinvestment in the squad from last summer. And I honestly believe... A, Sorry, There's been a big difference in the value, and that's why the, the deal was exchanged but not completed when 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 the deal was announced. It wasn't yeah. completed until after the end of the season when we knew what division we're in. And, and you know my view on it, you know, the arrogance of the club sucked. You know, Lee Bromby was convinced he was a genius because he pulled off a miracle. And and actually, the, the, the playoff final season with Corbran, just every star, and sometimes it happens in football, every star aligned, every signing was a, a success. Carlos found a way to win games. The championship was probably as poor as it's ever been. You know, there were lots of reasons we ended up in a playoff final. And I'm with you, you know, the, they were convinced that without breaking sweat, we were going to finish in the top 10. They did, honestly. And, and that's shown in the way they behaved, the way Lee Bromby behaved and some of the crap he came out with and, and the way they presented some of the signings. You know, some of the Conor Mahoney had kicked a ball. What an absolute waste of a wage that is. And he was a champ. Bear in mind, he was touted as a championship standard player when we signed him. So, anyway, the good news is I'll not have to moan about Bromby ever again, will I? After this, no, no, we've got we've got a big reputation of bringing people back. He'll probably be back by Christmas. We'll be back <laughs> in there again. Bromby's second playing, playing centre half. Where it's going? 
Alright. Probably. But no, it's just I get what you say. I, I I agree. I think we just we just thought we'd coast it and we'd sell the club. That was the aim of this year's just survival and it sell the club. And to be fair, Dino's got that right on he, he was pretty open on that. He wanted to get out, that's absolutely fine. Um, didn't want to put, I'm guessing, much more money into the club because he wanted out. That's common sense, not a problem. But football is competitive and it's very hard to stay in the championship, regardless of the stature of the club, especially when you're paying um way below average wages um as as a whole for the for the club. And um to stay up was was pretty special considering our our attitude going into it. It's hard, isn't it, to rate a season that's been so that's got so many different components to it. And I've got to be honest, like if you ask me to rate the first eighty percent of this season, I'd I'd give it an F. Fucking abysmal. Because I mean, <laughs> the problem is like, and it's not directed just at one person, but there's so many elements to this. There's so many elements to why it went wrong. We have the the horrific playoff loss, which was which we were robbed. So the the psychological impact of that is obviously well, you know, well documented on on players. And it's very difficult to bounce back from something like this. Then we had Carlos walk out so close to the season starting. Dean Oyle wanting to step back. And I think also with his with his illness potentially struggled a bit and obviously wanted to cut the investment back, which is which is fine. That's his prerogative. But too many project players, too many project players and not enough first team players. And we lost, you know, two key first team players. I really the, the first names on the team sheet and like you said, we we didn't replace them, and you know it's fine bringing one or two projects in, in a, in a team of senior players that know what they're doing. But when you when you the vast majority of the squad is made up of, of these sort of younger players, you you're really going to struggle. And I think we put too many eggs in the Andrew in basket, thinking he was going to score as a goals, didn't work out. Schofield, I felt sorry for because I think he was on an eyed into nothing. He, he wasn't ready. But we kind of discussed it at the time, didn't we, on the pod, that we could see, it, at least we could see the logic in that decision because it was continuity and it was so short notice. He, he really dropped us in it, Carlos, to an extent there. Some would argue that it would be because of lack of investment and we should have invested more and backed him more, but would he have left anyway? Who knows? But then... Schofield, I think, just he, he had his plan, he had his philosophy, his way of playing, but he didn't have a plan B. We obviously didn't have the players to be able to achieve that, so it was it was just you could tell after four games that it, it just wasn't going to happen because we we weren't seeing anything different on the pitch. There was there was nothing different. There was nothing improving. So he was on an idea to nothing. I think the main decision, though, the main thing that really put us on the back foot was the second decision to bring Fotheringham in by Bromby. How on earth he came to the decision to bring him in, I, I, I do not know, because the guy had no experience. We were already really struggling at that point. You need someone that, that knows the league, that knows what they're doing, that can motivate the players. And it, it was just too aggressive. You know, I, I mean, I applaud his, the confidence that he had in himself. And again, I don't put 100% blame at his door because I don't think he was ready for the job. You know, I, I, and I'm 100% convinced when he applied for the job, I don't think he expected he was going to get the job, but he got the job somehow. And the players didn't take to him. You could see that pretty early on. He ran him into the ground. What should we do when we're playing in a country that's absolutely freezing cold in the middle of winter? We'll take him to Marbella in Syria and eat and just, just absolutely train the shit out of them so that none of them have any energy and they can't run. And 
great. You know, it, the players had nothing left physically, mentally. And that Stoke game, you said it, that, that, is, that is a low... Not in terms of the result, in terms of goals conceded, but that is that is probably the lowest point I've ever had watching watching town. Other than nearly, you know, going to administration and nearly being liquidated, I guess. But from purely from a from a spectacle, from a footballing perspective, I mean that that is the worst I've ever seen. That is the worst I've ever seen. There was nothing. There was nothing. Nothing to get behind. Nothing to celebrate. Not not a not a shot on goal. Until I think what the last kick of the game, and that was a, a like a a powder puff effort that just took about two minutes to travel into the keeper's hands. It was awful. But then obviously Warnock coming in, the excitement was back, and I so enjoyed the last part of the season. It's, it's so weird because it went from being the worst season, one of the worst seasons in living memory, to one of the best because of what he achieved. Because it was a miracle. It was a miracle what he achieved, considering where we were. We were on the floor. And the elation of that, the team getting together, fans getting behind the team, getting our football club back, the essence of our football club back, was a real high. So, really, really difficult. I guess for me, like if you look at it purely on paper, if you were to say, you know, even maybe next season, if you were to say 18th, I'd probably take it to be quite honest because there's so many unknowns. But certainly at that point, with the players that we got, I would have taken 18th all day long. So looking at it purely on paper, I'd probably give it a C because, you know, it, it, it's fine for, for a club. For considering the wages we pay, you know, we're one of the lowest wage budgets in the in the league, and you get what you pay for. In, in my experience, so 18th on our wage budget is is pretty good. But bloody hell, it's it's <laughs> there's been so many highs and lows. I mean, how do you, how do you quantify that in just one in just <laughs> in just one grade for a season like that? I mean, it's 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 absolute madness. I mean, what I will say, what did I predict us to finish fifth? Obviously, tongue in cheek, trying to be over optimistic. But if Warnock were there a full season on his average point seventy seven, we would have finished fifth. So if the team had played to the full potential, lads, I think I was spot on. You're as bad as Ian Kilroy, mate, for trying to <laughs> for trying to claim a glory where none exists. I, I don't think they played to the potential though, and I, and I think I think Schofield had it rough because there was there was that hangover, and you know we lost the engine room, didn't we? You know, O'Brien was a was a massive miss, and we just couldn't. We we got used to Carlos had implemented his ideas. We were really really set in, and the players were just drilled to play that certain way. And then suddenly you've got someone coming in with different ideas and just a few weeks to implement someone who's very inexperienced. It was always going to be very very difficult for him to just get him up and running and firing. And so I do, I did, I did, I, I said at the time, I did feel sorry for him because I don't think he was, I don't think he was ready for the job. I can see why he stepped up and took it, and I, I, I do, I do feel a bit sorry for him, really. But again, fathering and to fathering him to an extent, because I don't think you know, I, I don't doubt that he tried his best, but he just wasn't ready for it, and he just, I think, he, you could see even in the, in the, even in the, you know, with the press, he just wasn't, he, he just didn't have those skills, did he? He, he didn't have the skills to communicate a with the players, b with the press, and and c with the fans. But, and and but, you know, with town fans, what they're like when when they when they when they decided they don't like someone, that that's it, isn't it? Don't you think, though, Nick? Like a little bit like what Ian said before, 
Warnock came in and did some really, really, really simple stuff. You know, kind of going going with that man marking sort of thing, but but not just that. Fotheringham, Fotheringham spoke like he had to justify himself all the time. Warnock never felt like, unless he were taking the piss. No, Warnock never justified himself. You know, he, 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 in, in fact, he actually he went the opposite way and said, you know, and said, you know, I, I teach these young lads how to how to manage. You know, none of the kind of all the gubbins that they do these days. I just do it quite. It's just quite simple. But actually, as much as he was joking, you know, to some extent, to me, I thought Danny Schofield came in and they 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 positioned it as this continuity thing. And and it was far from continuity. You know, he came in with his own ideas. He tried to do this, that, and the other. And and I genuinely thought after that Burnley game, I, I thought these lads don't know what they're doing. You know, they 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 look completely. They look like they're confused. Like he's telling them too much. And as daft as it sounds, I actually thought when Fotheringham came in for a period of time. We looked a little bit more like we knew what we were doing, and and we actually looked a little bit more organised with what we were doing, and and I and I think he he seemed to get on a little bit of a roll, you know, post kind of Christmas or around Christmas, and 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 going back to that point that you made about the Middlesbrough game, the difference was Warnock got that result and kicked on, you know, because we had a we had a you know an upturn in form. Warnock got that result and kicked on and Fotheringham lost, you know, and and I think I think there were, you know, although quite subtle things, you know, I, I actually think that it, it it's a funny old game, isn't it? But the the very fine margins as to as to, you know, making it or not making it and 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 I think to be quite honest with you, you know that's probably where where Fotheringham then lost the team was that people just thought, you know, ultimately I I, I don't but you know I don't trust this block, you know I don't have any faith in him. Yeah, well, thankfully, thankfully we're still in the championship, <laughs> so you know. He's just, given us a he's, just, yeah, yeah. Go on, God. Sorry. Now I'm saying just we're just in the championship, aren't we? Thankfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but we've got that platform now, haven't we, to build on because in League One, trust me, I mean we, we've seen how difficult it's to get out of there. So you know, at least he, he's given us that platform to build on. But let, let's talk about the players, guys. So I mean, it's hard, isn't it? Because I say eighty percent of this season has been woeful, but. If you had to pick a player of the season, who's it going to be? For me, shall I? I mean, I'll, I'll go first if you want. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult because I wouldn't say there's been any amazing, you know, shining, shining lights. But there have been, you know, some players that have given at least some level of consistency, continued solid performances. I think because we saw, score so few goals and create so little for for majority of the season, towards the end we were much better. But for majority of the season, I, I've got to go more defender. 
and and it, it's a popular you know it's a popular choice but i i think Helic has been our best player this season in terms of barring you know the first, certainly the first few games he struggled he struggled to get up to speed but since then i'm barring that mistake in the in the coventry game but since then you know he's he's, he's been very very solid very dependable most interceptions of any of our defenders, you know, 61 interceptions, decent passing accuracy, very reliable, good header of the ball, made a lot of very important last-ditch tackles. I I really rate him. I think it's been a very, very good signing, a great last-day signing, and I think he's got potential to improve further next season. So for me, I, th- I mean, it's a popular choice as well. Most of the fans will, will probably agree. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go for for Helic this season. Yeah, I think you can't deny he's had a he's had a good season. I think there's only uh, there's only I think Lee's and Rudoni played more games I think than Helic I think hasn't they? So you know obviously Rudoni is another one that asks him what you're thinking. I think for me Rudoni's. And this will be part of his learning journey, I guess. He, he's not influenced games in the way a guy that plays in his kind of position needs to. Um, I mean, Tom Lee's for me was didn't didn't make one error after Warnock came, and he looked like a he looked like a completely different bloke. Although weirdly, although it's a bit of a left field one, Vaklich, you look at actually he conceded. You know, but after a very shaky start, he played an absolutely key role. In our development, and you know, and then stood aside manfully to let Lee's come in for the last few games. But I, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I think I struggle to look beyond Helic purely for consistency. You know, I just don't think anybody set our team alight. Roma did, didn't he, when he came back? But you know, he'd been away in the first half of the season and uh, and turned it on when he needed to. But you know, Helic has been it's been there, played virtually every game, uh, and I'm with you about one error. Has looked solid, and I, what do we pay for him a million quid? I mean, where can you buy a championship defender for a million quid? So although I've just complained endlessly about Lee Bromby, you know, I think you have to take your hat off to him and say that was a really cute signing. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to argue with either of you. Um, I, I do think an honourable mention to to Jack Rodoni. You know, twenty one year old kid. Um, I, I thought he never shied away from, you know, from from games. He, I thought he always stood up. I thought in a team of players that certainly in the earlier parts of the season uh, struggled on the ball and struggled carrying the ball and, and, and passing the ball, I thought, to be honest with you, Rudoni stood up and, and did do that. And, and quite as Gaz said, he, he, he didn't. He didn't have the same impact that uh, he had at Wimbledon, you know, and he didn't kind of uh, produce the same kind of results that, that he did there. But, but I, I, I do think it's you know it's it's quite an honourable mention to him for for the performance in his, in his first season at Championship level for what he did. But yeah, it, completely, it's hard to argue, you know. Bar as we've said, the the mistake against Coventry, he stood up. He stood up to be countered. Did Helic and and you know he he was the linchpin of that defence really for me. 
and 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 I think you you know when you're looking at going again this season and and building a team around certain players, bar maybe Nichols is is I think for me is number one on on the team sheet to be quite honest with you, and I think he'd be number one on on a lot of team sheets within within that championship. So yeah, for me, uh, Michael Hellick. Yeah, I'm not going with Hellick. I think for me, when you're looking at best player, player of the season, you're looking at the person who's had the biggest impact for me. It's not just the, the individual performance, but to be fair, this kind of joins both of that up anyway, really. I think without Danny Ward being the player he was at the end of the season, we get relegated. And now he's only half the season, and I, I understand the arguments for Hellick. And I also, well, I'll, I'll ignore what I was just going to say then, because that's probably for the next award. But Danny Ward, I, I think without Danny Ward offering what he did up front, we don't stay up. We don't ever hope of staying up. Without him suddenly not having an injury, after having an injury for the last three years of his life, when Warnock called him up and it instantly healed him and he was fantastic and ready to go Monday morning as soon as Warnock came in. That's He deserves it just for that alone. Just for that alone. We looked a different team with him in. He suddenly turned into Danny Ward, the striker that we had against Watford in that one game when we, when we were leaving beforehand, or Danny Ward of Cardiff when he looked pretty handy every time you saw, you saw him play. Um, the, the reason why I don't really like giving it centre-backs is because it's pretty limited. I think it's pretty cheap giving giving your player of the year to a centre-back because I think what they do is uh, a bit easier than a striker. And I'm a defender now, so I, I, I'm not I'm not, I'm not bullying up strikers just because I'm one. I'm not anymore. But what Danny Ward did um, and the channels that he ran and and just the change in his game compared to what we've had of him for the last couple of years was very different because he wasn't the same Danny Ward we had last year with Carlos Corbran. He was much more of an out-and-out kind of goal scorer, wasn't he? Uh, and this year he seemed to do the dirty work a little bit more. So that's where I'd be going. I'm going with, I'm going with Danny Ward. Probably the only town fan that would. But um, I've got a few more out of the out of the box suggestions when it comes to some of the awards as well. But um, Danny Ward. Well, that, that's something else for Warnock and Alan, because we wouldn't have seen him, would we? If he hadn't come in, he wouldn't have played. And again, it's just, it's just having a bit of nous, isn't it? A, a, a young coach speaks to physio. Oh no, they're not. They're not quite ready. Don't play him. Why not get straight on the phone to him? And I know, I know that he's played for him a lot, but you know, just, just having the you know wherewithal just to phone him and just say, actually, do you feel like you can play? Yes, I can. Right, you're in. And that's you know, you just wouldn't have got that. He's a 30-year-old bloke, isn't he? He knows how fit he is, isn't he? And if he thinks he can play, you play him. He's not like he's going to get injured and ruin the rest of his career. He's got very little left anyway. You've got to go at that point with what they're reckoning. And, um, yeah, like you say, Warner could do that. I don't think many others would have. Most improved player, do you reckon? Oh, thing is, everyone improved massively, didn't they, as soon as Warner came in? So it's it's hard, isn't it? For, for me, I, I'm, I'm go- I've got to go with Karoma. Because the bloke was frozen out. I'm not saying you know necessarily for the right reasons. Because I'm, you know, I'm sure he's playing to get a, to get a contract. But that bloke was was nowhere near. He was nowhere near the team. He was sent out to Portsmouth. Didn't do very well there. Started all right, but then faded. And I, I was convinced I'd never see him in a town shirt. Comes back in, scores goals. I thought it was. I thought his performances towards the back end of the season were immense. Absolutely immense. So I, I've got to go for Karoma, for me, most improved player. Not in terms of development, but in terms of just overall performances. 
I think you're right. I think Karoma actually not only did he improve after Warner came in because he wasn't even wasn't even anywhere near the team, was he? Um, but actually year on year because he actually had a poor season the prior year in Cobrands last year. But in Cobrands first year, he was on fire, wasn't he? And, and he, he looked like the old player. And I think it's always a sign of a sudden improving when defenders know what he's going to do and still can't deal with it. You know, that's a sign of a, of a good player that people know he's going to come inside with his right foot and they shape accordingly and try and stop it, but he still managed to get a shot off. And then the other one, I, I think in terms of um, players that have probably, I don't, it's difficult because he's not most improved, but the one who's impressed me the most out of the signings who had zero expectation of a big Kasumu. We picked him up on a on not on a free but on a, a nominal fee to MK Nons because his contract had run out, relative peanuts. And actually, I think he is he's got people on about Radone. I actually think Kasumu has got something about him. He could be Premier League footballer, could Kasumu. He really can, and we've got to manage him accordingly. But in terms of the most improved player, it has to be Karuma. They can't be anybody else, can they? Although Ian, no doubt Ian Kilroy's probably got a different choice. Also have. Who's improved more than Matty Pearson this year? Honestly, who's improved more than Matty Pearson scoring whenever he wants? He does score when he likes. I don't think you can look past Matty. I don't think you look past Matty Pearson because you're comparing Karoma to last season. Compare Karoma now to Karoma under the Cowleys. Karoma recovering first season. I think he just had a bad year last year. So is that what most proved is? Is it just compared to the previous season or the player that he was? Kasumu was a cracking player. But do you know what surprises me? He's only a year younger than Karoma. He's 23. Rodon is 21 and Karoma's 24. I think Josh Karoma, in, the thing is with wingers, you have to play for the right team to showcase your talents. And I think Sorba Thomas found out this year, didn't he? Last year for us, we were fantastic because we provided him with opportunities. This year, we gave him basically nothing. Didn't look like the same player at all. And then um, he went out to Blackburn and, and offered very little there either because they obviously dropped off towards the end of the season. I don't think that's because of him, but I think his performances weren't great because of their dropping off. Um, but no, Matt Pearson for me, it, 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 he was as important on our season at the end as Warnock was and um, Danny Ward was for me. So my most approval would go to the young man himself, Matt Pearson. I'm I'm going to be boring and, and say Karoma. Um, I, I just think I just think from the place that he was at at Portsmouth and being dumped by Portsmouth and... The, the kind of pivotal part he played in 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 kind of finding uh, the form that he did and 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 the pivotal part that he played in in sorting us out towards the end of the season, you know, that, that kind of go go unnoticed. I I, I am going to just throw a bit of a left field one in there, and I'm prepared to be laughed out of laughed out of the room. I actually thought from the start of the season to to how the performances he turned out at the end of the season, Joshua Falls actually surprised me massively because at the start of the season, I had a question whether he'd have done a job for Wrexham, to be quite honest with you. you know, and, and, and at the end of the season, I actually thought there were points where he actually looked like a really solid defender. And so I... I've criticised him quite a lot throughout the year and he's probably been my scapegoat, but he shut me up at the end of the season with some with some really decent performances, I thought. You're not boring by picking Karoma, by the way. You're just right. <laughs> That's just revisionist history. You're just trying to avoid <laughs> that he was great until he was 23, had one bad year, and now he's the second coming again. 
He, he's great. He was good. He was really, really good. And after Danny Ward and Matty Pearson and Hellick and Tom Lees and David, because he's going to be in my talk for player of the season. However, I just I just don't think he's improved as much as every record. I think everyone's just forgotten how good he was previously to last year. That That's all. And I think he, he's weird. He, he plays like you need to build a team around him. I don't think you can have him and Sober Thomas in the same team. I think they're very similar. And I think they need kind of a free role. Normally what your 10 gets, but they get it out wide. Um, I don't think you could play them both and expect success because I think it's lazy punditry, not that we'll pundits, but it's lazy analysis to say he's a lazy winger because off the ball, he doesn't track back too much. Man for man, he definitely improved in that. But I think if you've got Sober Thomas and Josh Cromer in the same team in a front three, when you are when you don't have the ball, you're going to struggle a little bit. Um, Karoma's come back and we didn't have many options and I think he's benefited a lot from that that we had to kind of build around the few attacking pieces that we had and he's one of those pieces and he benefited from that and, and that's why at the end of the season it was one of the differences that kept us up absolutely um, but still might have peace and bagging goal after goal after goal every time he touched the ball that, that's from a centre-back defender no one's improved more than him and, and no one no one can persuade me otherwise he scored a lot under Corbran, though, Pearson, if you remember, like early on. He scored loads of headers from, from set pieces. Headers, so you not you can't say he's going nah. now, headers, though. He, he, he scored in free play. <laughs> Ruffles is bagging goals for fun and all. But I know, I know what you say, but no, you're wrong. It's uh, they're both, they're both, they're, I mean, the, to be honest, like they, they both were pivotal, weren't they? They, they both played outstanding. I, I want to mention Rodoni as well, to be honest, because I mean, he's the only player that played every game for his last season. You know, and at 21, I mean, there's a reason for that. I, to be, I'm really presently surprised because when I had quite a high expectation of him when he came, and I thought he was going to be that player that made really intelligent runs into the box and and would score a decent amount of goals or at least get a decent number of assists. And he kind of he didn't really offer much at the start of the season. I was a bit, oh, what have we brought? What have we brought in here? And I didn't really see what he offered. But then as the season's progressed, and certainly the last sort of 10 games or so, I think he's been brilliant. You know, he's not. He still needs to work on his on his finishing, scoring goals and and assists. He needs to contribute more there. But his 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 link up play and his and his strength on the ball as well and his tenacity and his work rate, I think, is outstanding. And he's only twenty one. He's got so much time to improve. I'm really pleased. I'm quite excited actually to see how he shapes up next season and how he kicks on. But you know, that leads us on to the next award, I guess, is or a prediction. You know, what player have we seen do you think that's going to improve the most or next season? Do you think do you think it's gonna be Radone or do you think it's gonna be one of the one of the other younger ones, maybe Diara, Kamara if he stays or Heedley? Who do you reckon's gonna be a gonna really kick on? Who's got the most potential? Well I like Headley. I think he He's got everything in his game to be a, another Toffolo, really, for me. He's, he's quick, he's strong, he's direct. He's got to work on his defending, but most young full-backs do need to work on the defending it because that's not... Most of them transition to full-back or wing-back from a central midfield position, don't they? So the, defend, the defending doesn't come naturally. And I, I was really pleased with him. I thought whenever he came on, he affected the game in a positive way. Um, I know Diara got a couple of full starts, but he... He he's one of those that will either be an absolute world beater or will will disappear into Division Three or non-league football. You know, he, his ability to find a dead end street when there isn't one, I found extremely frustrating. 
in his first touch, sometimes he's a second touch, which is always a, a problem. Um, and I quite like Kamara, but I just, I don't know where Kamara fits when you've still got Hogg in the team and you've got Kasumu. I don't really know where Kamara fits into our into our squad. And if he's one that there's some money on the table for, you might imagine he'll take it. But I'd like to see more of Headley. I thought he was, he was exciting and he affected the games for me. I think for you, the last few years, we've always expected quite a lot from uh, Brahima Deara after he's, every single preseason, he'd absolutely murder someone in a box by double spinning and leaving them on their ass. And between him and, him and Kamara, I think they've always been our great hopes, haven't they? Really, when it when it comes to the next best next best thing and, and the next player we have, I think Deara. We were always waiting for him to grow a little bit. He was always looked pretty undersized when he was playing, and that was always going to be a worry when it comes to to first team first team level football. I think he's looked all right this year. I think he's looked good, but I can't look past Etienne Kamara. I think he's got the size and, and the ability in him to, to make it every bit as far as Philip Billing has. In football, you need to, you know, to, to make it at the top level, you have to be fast or big. I think generally that, that or score goals. They're kind of three. And Kamara does have the height, I think. There's no coincidence he's the one being linked with, with moves away to something bigger and better than us because... Um, to me, I think he's the best prospect we've got. Is he as good as uh, Kasumu right now? Probably not. But I think he can be. I think he definitely can be. I think he's restricted in a team that don't dominate possession. Um, next year, hopefully, we, we have a little bit more of the ball. We can do a little bit more uh, and control games a little bit more. And I think you'd see a new player. I, I want him to stay. I 100% want him to stay because I think if we do keep the ball a little bit more, you'll, you'll see a player there that could be a little bit special. Um, uh, he 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 does look good. He came from nowhere, really, didn't he? No one really expected him to push on as much as he had. And when he does get the ball, he's got a bit of the jack hunt about him. You can you, you do you do kind of get on the edge of your seat and you're ready to go. Um, but he does seem a little bit raw. Kamara's got a bit of class about him when he's when he's on the ball. He just feels feels like yeah, he, he's a footballer. He's not just a, he's a good footballer. Um, and if we can have a of a, of a period in games where we, we control it a little bit more, I think he'll really benefit from that. So I, I'd, I'd be going with the with Etienne Kamara next year. Yeah, uh, I, for me, Diara Diara reminds me of of a young Dwayne Holmes. If I'm honest with you, um, you know, the, the, the one minute they have the ability to to literally get you off your seat, and the next minute you've got your head in your hands, thinking, just do the really obvious, basic thing. I actually think he, I think Diara is better than what Holmes was. So I, for me, I think Diara will will with the right coach make it as a as a decent footballer. To be quite honest with you, but again, I'm I'm absolutely the same as you, Ian. I, I, I'm if if Kamara leaves this summer, I, I'll be pretty pissed off. To be quite honest with you, the lad's class. He, you know. There aren't many players at that age, you know, that play in the championship. And and I know people will say that, uh, you know, I know the accusation is that he's lazy or that he's he's languid and he's, you know, just what was levelled at, at Philip Billing. And but actually, I think he's the he's the player that can turn out of a dead end. Is the player that can uh, that makes it look like he's got. A shed load of time, where I don't think there's many others that that have that confidence and that ability on the ball, and and I and I think it's really it's an underrated quality in the UK because 
because actually, you know, it's quite a continental style to some to some extent, and I, and I think I think nothing more says that than than the fact that he's in the the France under twenty squad at the minute. You know that's that ain't to be sniffed at. You know as as much as people kind of you know want to knock him and say that he's not been seen since Warnock's kind of come in. I, you know, I, I think I think the lad kind of burst onto the scene. I think he got a lot of pressure put on him, um, you know, and a, re- a lot of responsibility put on him. And and I actually think he did a a, a fairly decent job. You know, I, I, do I think he could learn from people like Hoggy and and people around him? Absolutely. But I think I think he's also again another lad who who needs the right the right coaching. And and again, you know, with Headley. Yeah, is I I, w- I would hope as well that Brody Spencer could be exactly the same on on the other wing, and and that he could bring that kind of uh, attacking intent and and pace and kind of um, ability down down the wing to 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 kind of get you off your seat. But again, these lads, I think I think all of them just need not to be in a team that that is what we were last season, you know, struggling, a lot of pressure put on them, you know, they, they, they need to be in a team that that has lads around them that that can carry them a little bit to some extent and take some of that pressure off them. Um, you know, and, and, and hopefully with a, a few signings this year, we we can provide that opportunity for some of these lads. But yeah, for me, Kamara, Kamara is, is, is really the one that, that I'd like to see stay. For me, there's only two players really that can progress and make it to Premier League level, and that's Kamara and Radona, potentially. That's that's what I'm seeing. Pat Jones is quite interesting because I think he's one of the most talented youngsters we've probably got at the club in terms of sort of raw ability. The problem is 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 the physical side of things, and he he gets in he's he's quite injury prone. But I, I've liked what I've seen. I'll be interested to see if he kicks on, whether it be on loan or whether he manages to do something with the first team. Kamara, you know, it's it's all down to whether you know does he want to be here. That that's a question because a young player with ability, clubs approach him. You have agent in his ear. Does he does he have the mentality to stick out? Does he want to be at Huddersfield Town? Because if he doesn't want to be at Huddersfield Town, it's pointless. You might as well let him go. I hope he does. I hope he does wants to work with us and progress with us, and we see him more next season. But something's telling me that the bloke probably doesn't want to be here. Because he thinks he can move on to bigger and better things, and we probably won't see him. But Diara again, yeah, he he, he needs to kick on a bit more. There's the flashes of it in it, you know. There's, he's he's got some he's got some minutes in the legs as well this season, and we we've seen in, in certain games where he can, you know, the the tricks come out and he looks great, but then he gets to the edge of the box and it, it's just his decision making in the final third, you know, he he, he just he runs out of steam, do not pick the right pass. But the the barest, you know, the essentials are there. It just it just needs to develop a little bit more. So I think I think it's quite an exciting time for the youngsters. Really, we we've got some decent youngsters that can kick on, but we just like you said, we we need more senior players around, and we can't be relying on them. You know, it's all right having one or two of these dotted around the team and getting game time, but the the majority of it needs to be made up of, you know, of of you know, good senior pros, and I guess that kind of leads us on to. Who do we think is actually going to stick around? Because there's talk of Ward, Karoma, 
are they gonna you know are they gonna sign are they gonna stay if not who else do we think's gonna leave there's rumors you know is Nichols gonna stay we've obviously had a lot go back you know loan players have gone back we've released quite a lot you know there's a lot of work to do in pre-season there's a big reshape who should we keep who's gonna be going what do we need? You know what? What? But where's our key areas that we're going to need to strengthen? Well, we haven't addressed up front for many a season, really, have we? Certainly, the last three or four years, we've been crying out for a, a goal scorer. Um, it's likely Hood Ward will sign, and, and if you know if if uh, if Warner does say that's the only thing that that you know, nerves me slightly. You know, Ward had a, a, the best season of his career under 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 Carlos's last season in charge. Uh, he had 10 or 12 games where he played out of his skin for one, but we, we all know he isn't going to score. He isn't going to score 25, 30 goals a season. So we definitely need some some resources up front. I think the defence, we're light on full-backs. We've got Turton, who, who suddenly seems to be an injury prone, which he wasn't before. We talked about Headley coming through, Brody Spencer. Centre-halves, we've got him coming out of our ears. You've got Lees, Hellick, Pearson. You've also got you to come back, you to Nakayama to come back, of course, who... Can play left back, can play left wing back, can play centre half, and I, I think he was really unfortunate to get injured. And although we're bemoaning some of the performances through the season, you know we did lose Pearson, we did lose Nakayama, we did lose Lee's three massive players for the team. So having them back for a full season will make a difference. You know I, I think we could probably do with depending on what happens with Sorba and Karoma, we may need width. And with you, I can't see. And with you, Ian, I can't see Sauber and and Josh Karum in the same team. But what I could see with Sauber is him replacing Hungbo. You know the way that Warner deployed Hungbo, I could absolutely see him doing that with with Sauber. And by the way, I, I was really impressed with Hungbo. I thought his attitude was for a guy on loan. I thought his attitude was fantastic, and he came up with some massive moments. A really important one. The goal at Cardiff was absolutely immense, and and that really turned the tide for us that day. So. You know, I can see, so it, it, but that that's all on Sober. We talk about talk about Etienne Kamara and his approaching attitude. Nick, you can multiply that by ten for Sober, can't you? Uh, Sober's ego will decide whether Sober wants to, to come back. One, I did a really cute job of building a bridge. You know, saying I wish you were here because if you were here, we really would get a song out of him. Really cute way to build a bridge for that guy to be able to come back through the door because he was burning bridges faster <laughs> faster than he could put them out. So. You know, I, I think we definitely need definitely need something up front. The guys we took a punt on last year didn't didn't work. Um, I, I'm still laughing at the guy that we signed, the ex Sheffield Wednesday player, and the Sheffield Wednesday fan described him as a bloke that runs like he's towing a caravan. One of the best lines I've ever seen. So, you know, that's a standard that we've had before. It's not going to be too hard to be much better next season, is it? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't, you know, I think we get some of those injuries back if we could retain Sauber. Find ourselves a striker, some more depth at, at full back. If Nichols goes, we're going to need a keeper. I think Billow is a fantastic backup. He's learning, and he's also had some valuable game time this season. But he ain't ready for first team football, is he? So if if Nichols goes, we definitely need another keeper. But I'd be surprised if he did. I think he's probably the only asset we've got of any value at the minute. Um, so I'd be surprised if I'm surprised if Big Kev as I like to now call him. I'd be surprised if Big Kev lets him go. So, so ironically, despite the fact we were all bemoaning this was a squad not fit of the championship, I actually only think we're probably three to four to five players 
away from being reasonably competitive on a, a regular basis. And one or two of them, we might find out of the out of the uh, the kids that are coming through. Do you think that do you, do you think that opinion though is based on that everyone's quite similar? It's like they're all just not good enough. So you're trying to look at weak points rather than what we actually need to drag ourselves up the league. Because I look at, I think we need to be better across the board. I think your centre backs maybe you can argue that between Lee's Helic and Pearson, you've got enough. But, what about Nakayama? Would you not put him in that pot? Or do you see him as a fullback? I see him as a fullback. I saw I saw him as a very unorthodox fullback that caused a lot of problems. Actually, I really really liked him. Of all the signings last summer, I actually thought he was the best in what what little we saw of him. Um, he just ended, he had a Pearsons about him. He just ended up in the right position, like when he shouldn't have been there. He was just there, and um, especially on the score for the beginning, we had next to nothing other than him. It was really really strange. He, he could create chances from left back without looking like he had a clue what he was doing. Sometimes he was just weird, big guy. It just it just worked really well, and I, I am excited to see him back. We need to find goals. Sober Thomas has to come back and play in this team. He's he's too good for a team like us, unless Big Kev comes in with millions to spend, which up until this point we have no uh, inclination to whether he is gonna, or if he is, if he can, if he can't, or whatever. We don't know. Sober Thomas, on his day, is the best attacking player we have on our football club, and we aren't big enough to say fuck him because his attitude stinks. We can't do that. That's not just real town, unfortunately. You can think it should be. You can argue it, but it just simply isn't. We don't have goals in us with the players that we have. One found a way to keep us up, but over the course of a season, I don't think we could do it that way. So, but Thomas, there is there are goals and assists in him. Again, top assists for the for the season, even though he barely played for more than half of it. So, you need to bring a striker in. Danny Ward's a year older. Maybe the development of the young guys that we have, um, Kamara, Heedley, they are another year of them. They'll be a year better. They could be like new players next year, maybe. And maybe that's going to have a big influence on the way that we can play. Johnny Ogg's now a little bit older. How much longer has he got in him? I thought he was poor at the beginning of the season. Um, I, I, I don't think there's a position you can sit at and think, right, we're fine there, apart from keeper. Nichols is, what is he, 31? Nichols, 30, 31. He's unlikely to get a big move anywhere. If a team's gone up from the championship, they've got a good enough goalkeeper, they're not going to come for a 31-year-old Nichols anyway. A Premier League club can come and take him as a backup. Does he want to go there again, considering his age? I, I, I think we are perfect for him as much as he's perfect for our number one position. I don't expect him to go anywhere. But the rest of the team, we need full-backs. Centre-backs again, maybe not. Hog replacement, maybe it is Kamara or Diat or someone there. Don't know. We need another winger. Because, like you say, Hungbo was fantastic. He's a breath of fresh air. I don't think he had 90 minutes in him. He was definitely better over a course of 30 minutes in a game. He, he had very, very big legs. I imagine it takes a big motor to run them all game. Um, so, in flashes, he was fantastic. And, and, and I actually would like to see him back. I think there's definitely a place in our team for him. But I think you need another winger to play either with Sauber if, he, if he's on fire or Karoma if he's doing well. And a, and a striker, um, we can improve across the board. I don't think there's any position barkeeper that we can't. And hopefully, Big Kev comes in with some money, we can bring some guys in. But until until the takeover's complete and we hear from him from the first time, who knows? It's pretty difficult to set expectations on what we need because without knowing what we're aiming for, it's um, it's pretty tough. That's the problem, isn't it? We're kind of in a position of unknowns because takeover still hasn't gone through yet. We don't know what manager is. I mean, the, the strong rumours Warnock stating, but we, that's not that's not confirmed. So, and that's going to have a massive impact, obviously, on who we can attract in, and who's going to be stating. We've got we've got a new CEO in, 
So we've got Jake Edwards coming. We've got Clem and Bromby leaving. There's a massive shake-up. There's a lot going on. And it's it's going to be... It's very, very difficult to predict at the moment. I think the ma- the manager's going to be key. If it's Warnock, I think it's almost certainty that War's going to stay. And, you know, he's obviously going to be in the players that he's got faith in. So it's it's very much going to be determined on who the manager's going to be. Me, personally, I think we need a right wing-back. I think we need creative midfielder, which we've all been... I think everyone's been saying for about, about 10 years now. Um, striker... I mean, and one, if not two, wingers for for me. I I think you're right. I don't I don't think I think we're sort of maybe four five players short, but it's 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 quality, not quantity. You know, we we don't we don't need projects. We need first teamers this time. We need we need people with the right skill set now, not in you know two three years time. We've got enough projects now. That, that can come on. We, we need players that, that you know their experience that can that can guide them. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that, Nick. I, I I think the the most important part of it, and and I do agree with with Ian that I think we can do it across the board. Um, but I think I think they need to be first teamers, and I think they need to be real quality first teamers. They don't need to be people that are going to come in and, um, you know, challenge for a position. They need to be players that are coming in and and are the player for the, you know, the the lead player for the position. And 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 I'd even go as far as saying, you know, to some extent, and and it might be a little bit outrageous this, but even even in defence, you know, at Helic, obviously, as I said before, is is number one on the team sheet, but. Tom Lee isn't getting any younger, you know, and, and to be quite honest with you, there were times when he, he did make daft mistakes. He did, he did, you know, his his pace did kind of fail him. He, he did give the ball away. Um, you know, so so actually if 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 Uter is that kind of player that that can kind of slot in at the left hand side of that that back three, you know, almost replacing where we didn't replace Colville to some extent, you know, can he kind of do that side of the the job? Um but I, I would agree that, you know, in midfield we 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 don't dominate games at all. And I think we need someone, you know, it's easy for me to say in it, you know, we we need someone like Aaron Moy that that will put the foot on the ball and and will run a game. Um you know and 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 I think they tried to look for to Rodoni to do that a little bit, and I think that possibly was a little a little unfair at times last year. Um, so I I think that position for me as as well as then, you know, quite obviously a striker that that scores goals, you know, because we haven't really had it maybe since Rhodes first time first time round. We haven't had a striker that scores goals. You know, the season we went up, Kachunga got fifteen, did he, or something like that? But he wasn't. He wasn't prolific. Um, and I, and 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 I think maybe I think maybe that going back to the blueprint of that team that 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 did get us promoted. I think anybody that we want to add into this squad now really needs to be leaders and really needs to be. 
real strong characters that, that you know that that don't allow us to drop back into that position that I think we found ourselves last year, where Warnock came in and and said there's no leaders at the club, you know, and I, and I, and I think uh, I think that's probably quite an important um, attribute that we need to add to the team. To be quite honest with you. Time will tell, guys. I guess it all depends on what uh, on what King Kev Kevo can conjure up. Are we going to have the funds to kick on? Are we going to be right up at the top? Are we just going to be slow and steady? Who knows? We'll see. I think we'll leave it there, guys. We've it's it's been a long pod this, but we've had a lot to talk about. Obviously, I think I guess the final just to sum this one up. Let's get those final ratings A to F, one after the other for the season I'm going to start C C we're all going to go C we're all going to have to like we've got a Tourette's in it so that's exactly how this one's going to go <laughs> yeah I'm not breaking the balls <laughs> middle of the road but I mean this season's been anything but I guess it's a typical town isn't it it's it's brought us to tears Tears of boredom, tears of despair, tears of joy, and that's that's why we're following town in it because it's never it's never simple, and um, it's never boring. So let's see what next season brings. We'll uh, we'll I'm sure we'll do a preview when we know more, when things have developed. We know what manager's gonna you know the manager's gonna be. We get a few signings in. We'll see we'll see what we all think, and I can mess it up again with a stupidly. Uh, over positive prediction but guys thank you very much for joining us tonight thank you guys for listening and we'll see you all soon take care